Hello again, everyone. Today is Sunday, August 21st, 2016. My name is Tom Kuntz, and this is episode 30 of my Snutcast. Today, we are back in Houston for the wedding next Saturday of our eldest daughter, Marin, to Justin Bruff, a wonderful, faithful, and talented young man. Marin and Justin, consider this a shout out to both of you. Today, I want to talk about forgiveness. So with that, let's get started. When I was about 11 years old, I found some frozen jelly rolls in the freezer downstairs in the basement. My mom had bought them at the Wonder Bread Day Old store, and to me, they were simply irresistible, even frozen. I mean, it was unusual for us to have such a treat in the house. Well, being completely oblivious to any potential consequences, I began to eat first one, then two, and eventually half of the jelly rolls in that package. They were delicious. Well, a few days later, my mom went down to that freezer to pull those rolls out and noticed half of them missing. My mom had an incredible amount of mother's intuition, and so she immediately suspected me over my older brother or sister. It's true I may have been an easy target given my track record. Well, when she confronted me, I did not want to get into trouble, so I told her it wasn't me and I knew nothing about them. I still remember the sting of that initial lie, which I then followed up with many subsequent lies because my mother was relentless in pursuing the truth. Looking back now, it seems that this went on for months, although I suspect it was really only weeks. My conscience was burning with guilt, but I did not want to get into trouble, so I stood my ground. One night, when it was our turn to flood irrigate our small farm in Idaho in the middle of the night, my mom asked if I would get up with her at midnight and go out and change the water. I agreed, and after waking and getting dressed, we began the walk to the back portion of the property. If I live to be a hundred years old, I will never forget the moment when she asked me one more time about the jelly rolls. Well, actually it wasn't a question, it really was more of a statement. I was in the midst of crossing a barbed wire fence when she said, You took the jelly rolls, didn't you? I couldn't take it any longer. The burden of guilt had been weighing upon me like a thousand pounds of bricks. As I pulled my last leg through the wire and stood with both feet on the ground, I simply said, yes. My mom then said, I knew it was you. And then it was finished. No lecture, no berating, not a single additional word, ever. I think she knew I had suffered, and she simply left it at that. But what a relief I felt. I was free. The guilt was gone, the truth was out, and most important, my mom had forgiven me. I just finished reading S. Michael Wilcox's new book titled Twice Blessed. It's an amazing and inspiring book about the power of forgiveness. And its title comes from Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. Here's what it said. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. It is an attribute of God himself. We do pray for mercy. And that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. Well, my favorite story of forgiveness <clears throat> is found in 1 Samuel chapter 25. It's the story of Nabal 
Abigail, and David. Nabal was known to be churlish, which is defined as rude, rough, or hard. Abigail, his wife, was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. David, who was also very well known and would become the king of Israel within a few short years, sent ten young men to go and greet Nabal and ask him to provide food to David and his men to subsist upon. Nabal possesses, possessed sufficient wealth to do exactly as David had requested, but instead he is rude to the ten young men and says, quote, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? Shall I take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? Well, the ten young men return to David and relate what happened. <clears throat> David is absolutely furious and takes 400 armed men with him, intending to completely destroy Nabal. But one of Nabal's servants, a young man, tells Abigail what her foolish husband did in regards to David. She immediately makes haste and takes bread, wine, corn, meat, raisins, and figs and sets out to intercept David. When she meets him, she bows down before him and makes this amazing statement, quote, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be, End quote. She essentially takes responsibility for Nabal's rebuff of David and pleads for David's forgiveness and brings the food as an offering of peace. David first listens to and then takes Abigail's advice to take the offerings and depart in peace rather than shed the blood of Nabal. Within ten days, the Lord spoke Nabal that he died. David then sends for Abigail and he takes her to be his wife. An interesting side note here is that the prophet Daniel is the only son from the marriage of Abigail and David. Well, I love this story because it is such a wonderful story of forgiveness based on Abigail as a type or symbol for the Savior. Abigail takes Nabal's bad judgment upon herself and by offering food and drink to David, essentially atones for Nabal's sin. It is one thing for us to seek forgiveness for our own sins, but it is a completely different level of godliness to seek forgiveness for the sins of others. What an amazing example Abigail is to all of us. I want to come back to the book by Brother Wilcox that I mentioned earlier. He tells the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, explaining that when Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, they, <clears throat> quote, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, end quote. And then they hid themselves from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. He compares this act of sewing fig leaves to the very human response of being ashamed and wanting to cover up or hide our actions. This is exactly what I was trying to do when I lied to my mom about not taking the jelly rolls. I was sewing my own apron of fig leaves in an effort to hide my nakedness. Brother Wilcox mentions other ways that we sew fig leaves by, quote, making excuses, rationalizing, blaming others, hiding in the shadows of self-comforting doubt or intellectual posturing, trying to change the moral landscape to make forbidden things acceptable, etc., end quote. He then declares that God has a better way. He goes on to say this, quote, Repentance in a symbolic, virtual, visual sense is removing the aprons, coming out of hiding, and talking openly, trustingly, and honestly with God and ourselves, end quote. So what does God do to replace these aprons? He makes for us coats of skins. 
These coats of skins represent the very atonement of Jesus Christ. And Brother Wilcox suggests that perhaps the most appropriate animal these coats could be made of would be that of lambs. For surely Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I love this imagery. It is so powerful. We can exchange our apron sewn of fig leaves for coats of skins made of the finest lambskin. Now our nakedness is truly covered. There's another concept I want to cover about this topic of forgiveness, and it's found in 3 Nephi 12.24, as well as Matthew 5.24. It says this, Go thy way unto thy brother, and first be reconciled to thy brother. I, I might add sister here as well. And then come unto me with full purpose of heart, and I will receive you. In other words, until we can forgive others, the forgiveness and miracles that we seek in our own lives and who among us does not need forgiveness on an ongoing basis? It's withheld. If we want to be forgiven, we simply must be willing to forgive others. It is so easy for us to condemn others for their mistakes. We see the sins of others so clearly. I know I do. And yet it was with the Savior, and yet it was the Savior that asked, quote, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? End quote. In psychology, there's a theory developed by Sigmund Freud called psychological projection, in which we defend ourselves against our own unconscious impulses or qualities by simply denying that they even exist. Yet, you see, we have no trouble in attributing them to others. I'll give you an example. A person who is habitually rude may constantly accuse other people of being rude. This, I believe, is exactly what the Savior is saying to us about the moat and the beam. The moat is a, is a small sliver of wood. The beam, however, is wood the size of a tree. And yet, it is so often easier for us to see the sliver in others than it is to see the tree in ourselves. There is yet even a higher law, though, taught by the Savior in Matthew 18.15. Quote, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And again, I might add, or sister. End quote. I learned this principle well from a wonderful man, Russ Parker, who served as my bishop back in the 1980s. There was a man in our ward who had had a really rough life, mostly brought on by his own bad choices. He had become a perennial welfare recipient, relying on the church rather than on himself or together with his wife. Both were healthy and capable of working, but he just couldn't seem to get his act together. At one time, one of Russ's counselors was Robert Matthews, a man who went on to be a stake president and is now serving as a mission president. And as I remember the story, Bishop Parker had been offended by this man who lashed out at him as he was trying to wean him off of church welfare and get him to take financial responsibility for himself and his wife. As he was counseling with Brother Matthews on this matter, Robert read this scripture, and Bishop Parker took it to heart. So he again sought out this man, actually told him that he had been offended by him, and asked for his forgiveness. And they then talked through it. That day, Bishop Parker gained a brother. That was also the beginning that led this man, who for years had been relying on the church, to become self-sufficient. All of that change came in him, I believe, from Bishop Parker's willingness to put this scripture to the test. One last thought before ending today. 
A good friend of mine reported on a recent stake conference that he attended where their new stake president gave a masterful talk about feeling the love of God in our lives. He spoke about how Satan had used accusations in the pre-mortal existence to convince a third of the host of heaven to follow him. He says he undoubtedly used words like, quote, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be so gullible as to trust Jehovah. Father's plan is too risky for someone weak like you. You don't have what it takes to safely discern and follow revelation of truth on earth. It will be a dangerous and confusing place. How can you be so stupid to believe that Jehovah will actually go through with the atonement and pay for your sins? Etc., etc., etc. End quote. Well, Jesus, on the other hand, agreed to, quote, offer himself a sacrifice for our sins and become our advocate with the Father. He would stand in our place to answer for our sins. He would take up our cause by virtue of his personal, infinite sacrifice for each of us, his love and his joy would be full. He would then have power to offer each of us this same love and joy, end quote. This wise stake president then asked his stake this powerful question. Whom do you list to obey? Are we accusers or are we advocates? Do we accuse ourselves and others before the Lord night and day, or perhaps even once in a while? Or do we follow the Savior, Jesus Christ, and stand as advocates of He and the Father, and of their plan, and of their children, who are our brothers and sisters? End quote. There we have it. Are we an accuser or are we an advocate? Are we Abigail or are we David? While it may seem that my mother was an accuser in the case of the jelly rolls, I believe she was actually being my advocate, helping me to learn to be honest, refusing to let it rest until my soul was at rest. Forgiveness is such a powerful and amazing gift from God. I truly believe it is forgiveness and mercy that unlocks the powers of heaven. We can all be advocates for ourselves and for others through the mercy that is offered us from the atonement of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is real. My hope is that none of us will ever allow pride, fear, self-righteousness, or vengeance cause us to sew our own fig, uh, apron of fig leaves. May we instead be fully clothed before the Lord in the pure love of Christ, founded upon a coat of skins made of the purest of lambskins, having a conscience void of offense towards God and towards all men. Well, that concludes episode 30. How grateful I am for the atonement of Jesus Christ that offers forgiveness to each one of us that chooses to claim it. Further, I am grateful for the example Jesus set for me and forgiving others. Until next week, keep the faith.